Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. All right, good morning. Okay, turn to your neighbor. Say, I am so glad that you are in church sitting next to me. Sitting next to me, right? Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel good? I was going to say something like, aren't you lucky to sit next to me? Or, or aren't I good looking and smart and talented and all that? I, I just think self-affirmation, that's, that's not a bad thing. It's kind of a good thing. Hey, a couple more um, things I'd like for you guys to kind of get on your radar um, coming into February. February 10th, we are bringing in a comedian from Colorado Springs. And we have a comedian that's going to come in. It's going to be a family night. So be paying attention to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. It'd be a great thing to invite your friends to. And then it's my birthday. So, so we might as well smell it. You might as well spend your birthday with me. And so uh, February 10th, we're going to do that. And then February 12th will be our Super Bowl um, uh, uh, chili cook-off. Uh, so those things are coming up. And so we kind of roll into this season with a lot on the plate, a lot going on. But excited about that, the comedian. Excited about our Super Bowl uh, party and our, our, our chili cook-off. So I started with this question last week. This new series, is, we're, we're in this new series, it's called, Now What? And I don't know if you've ever done this with your faith, but there's this piece of your faith that like goes, once you gave your life to Jesus, now what? Once you give your life to Jesus, now what, right? What, what do you do now? What, what, now what? And so we said, this would, January would be the perfect time to kind of answer that question. Like, after you've given your life to Jesus, now what? And Acts chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, that's what we're going to do all the way through January, talks about that question, now what? And so last week we kind of came into this thing that once you give your life to Jesus, once you've repented of your sins, once you've um, had this spiritual moment or you've engaged with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's just kind of come alive for you, now what? Once you've kind of had that um, mountaintop experience and it's kind of the warm fuzzies, it's like, now what? What do you do now? And we said last week, we said there's four things that you do. Last week was four things. Last week we said, the first thing is, after you give your life to Jesus, you have to release your past. I'm amazed at how many Christians, and listen, I'm, I'm telling you that you can be a believer in Jesus and never get past your past. You can it's not the way that your life was intended to go. It's not the way that, that, it's not what Jesus would have for you. It's not what, even what Jesus would want for you. But there's plenty of people that have given their life to Jesus and they just can't get past their past, right? Like, like this is just true. And that doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. That doesn't mean that, that Jesus isn't uh, actively drawing them and, and speaking to them. But there's lots of people that struggle to get past their past And so really the very first thing that we said last week was that once you give your life to Jesus, you're a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ. You have to let the old stuff go. And I think January's a really good time to do that. I think every day is a really good time to do that. But January 1st, we said, this would be your day. Let it go. And they said that the second thing that happens is once you give your life to Jesus, that like you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that Jesus told the disciples that once I've ascended, now go into the upper room, and what I want you to wait for, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Now, remember, the disciples, if anybody were a follower of Jesus, it was the disciples. And yet there was this moment in their life where Jesus said, what's next for you? Now what? Is it you have got to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I don't know if you understand this, that as Christians, the Holy Spirit is what leads us and guides us. The Holy Spirit's what convicts our life of sin. Like when we're doing things and we're just kind of heading in a way that maybe wouldn't honor God, it's the Holy Spirit that comes along and says, hey, don't do that. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit that puts people's, um, people on your heart. That Have you ever had somebody like you just felt like you needed to pray for I had this person last week, I called them up and said, hey man, you just were on my mind. They said, thank God that I was on your mind. 
We're up at the hospital right now. He said, I just know that God put you on my, that, that God put me on your mind. And I said, well, let's pray right now. It's the Holy Spirit that does that thing. And so we, we said, what, what do you do first? You release your past and you, you wait and you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you let the Holy Spirit begin to lead your life. We said the third thing that you would do that, that when you come into a new year and you have this new moment, that you say, the third thing is, is that once you give your life to Jesus and once you're filled with the Holy Spirit and once you've let go of the past, is that you get real public about your faith. That you look up around your friends and family and the best story that you could tell about your faith isn't my story. Hey, man, my pastor, you should come hear his story. Nope. The best story isn't even Peter or Paul or the disciples' stories. The best story is your story. What God's doing in your life. My, my hope is so much that in 2023, that God moves so much in your life that you begin to tell your story and everybody around you is like, holy smokes, it's just like, it just feels like you have made this new connection to the Lord. And so you go public with your faith and you share your story. And then the fourth piece of that is that you then turn around and you begin to strengthen people and you begin to help people in their faith and you begin to support people in their faith. And so this question that we're asking today is right in line with that. It's Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read two large sections of Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I'm going to be in Acts chapter 2 in just a second. If you have your Bible or your smartphone or your device, flip over. Let's get to Acts chapter 2. And there's this question that I think is super interesting that I watch in church, and I watch it year after year after year after year after year. And before I ask that question, I want to ask a different question. And the question is this. Just, just like in your head right now, what is the best group you've ever been connected to? Have you ever been connected to like a really cool group, and maybe you guys had the same interest? Maybe you were on a ski team at some point in your life. Maybe you are or just a group of buddies that used to all go fishing together and used to hang out and go fishing together. Or maybe it, was, uh, maybe it was some high school sports team. That that was your group and you had this community and that you just kind of spent your time together. And when you look back and you think about that particular time of your life, there's just kind of this connection that's there. And even years later, when you guys haven't been together, you see them or you think of them and you have a certain connection to them. How many of you guys have ever had that? Right? Okay, so some of you. How many of you never had that? It's okay. It's okay. Some of you are like, yep, I've never really had that. Because there's this space that, that when you think about um, groups and communities and, and that kind of space, there's this thing that I've watched as a pastor, where I've watched people who are connected to Jesus, but they're not connected to a church. Right? Like, it's just a thing. You can even be, you can even be um, connected to Jesus, and you can even go to a church regularly and still not feel connected to a church. Like, this is just a thing. And it's really a thing in our society. And so there's this space that happens in Acts chapter 2 that is super fascinating. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the beginning of not a church. We're going to see the very beginning of the church. On one day, there was not a church. And then on the very next day, there's a church of 3,000 people. And it was a church. Like it didn't exist, and then it did exist. And there's this space that happens that goes, after I've given my life to Jesus, after I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, now what? Would you read with me in Acts chapter 2? Let's, let's, let's read about that. Let's, let's read how that goes. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to read down to verse 18, then I'm going to skip to verse 21, and then I'm going to skip to verse 37. So that's going to be the progression. And it says this, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, this is interesting because I could just pause right there. And when it says all the believers are meeting together in one place, if you want to know how many believers that is, just turn back to chapter 1 and read. It's like 17. It's like something like that. It's like all the believers were in one place meeting together, 17 of them. Huge, huge gathering, right? 
It says, and then suddenly there was a sound from the heavens, like a roar of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. Now, let me just pause and tell you what's going on here. When it says that there was devout Jews from every nation, what had happened was Rome had occupied Jerusalem. And so Rome has occupied Jerusalem, and Rome had this really kind of interesting thing that they did, that they didn't care what religion you sought as long as Rome was first. So what, what it did is it allowed different religions to thrive. And so people may have come from Rome and they may have changed to Judaism. They may have grown up being Greek and that they're now living in Jerusalem and they have converted to Judaism. Does this make sense? And so when it says that there's people from every um, nation living in Rome and they're all these Jews, it's because Rome has allowed this kind of flourishing of people to seek different religions. And so when they heard this loud noise, everyone came run, running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoke by these believers. They were completely amazed, and they said, how can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are, Parthians, uh, Parthians Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia. Viagra, not Viagra, 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 sorry. Egypt and Libya, around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Both were um, Jews of converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and all hear these people speaking in their own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But the others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, come on, they're just all drunk. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about this, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's nine o'clock in the morning, and it's much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days... I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now skip to verse 37. So Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, but what should we do? They're saying, now what? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by our Lord, our God. Then Peter continued to preach, preaching for a long time, and he's strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles formed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, 
They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so there's this question that comes in, and the question is really pretty simple. It's after you've given your life to Jesus, after you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, after you've let go of your past, after all of things, what are the things that you should do next? Now what? Here's the very first thing that happens after people hear the message of the gospel. They believe. The very first thing that has to happen for a person in their heart is they have to believe. You would think that this is a, a pretty natural thing. that You'd go, well, that makes total sense. But belief is literally the most central part of a person's faith. Because you and I will only do what we believe. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church daily about 3,000 people. And so belief happens at this moment where your heart and your head align. That's where belief happens. Have you ever had a moment in your life where your head and your heart did not align? Come on. All right, let me play this out a little bit. Because since we're all lying this morning in church, (laughs) how many of you have ever, we're going to play, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever, like, thought to yourself, oh, I think this is your, the one. Like your head is going, oh, I think this is the one. And your heart goes, this one is not the one. Right? Like your head and your heart doesn't align. You're like, oh my gosh, this one's the one. I know this one's the one. And your heart's going, not the one. Next. Have you ever, um, have you ever uh, uh, um, had a moment in your life where like you have convinced yourself in your head that you need to buy something, and your heart goes, you do not need to buy that. (laughs) You probably even tried to convince the people that you were with that you needed to buy it. If, If you're married, right? If you're married, you're trying to convince your spouse, no, 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 we need a new truck. We need a new truck. And your spouse is going, we don't need a new truck. We don't need a new truck. And guys are like, no, no, sweetheart, we need a new gun. We need a new gun. <laughs> Girls are like, we, you have like 40 guns. Why do you need another gun? Right? You're like, because they make more guns. <laughs> All right, shoes. Shoes, ladies. You're not getting off the hook. You're not getting <laughs> purses. Purses, right? Purses. I need another purse. Now, I love my wife. My wife's amazing. My wife has so many purses, and I'm like, I'm like I'll see her in a, one purse, and the next day she's in a big purse, and the next day she's in a small purse. And I'm like, how many purses do you have? She says, I need different purses for different outfits. <laughs> like, we have all these things we do, and it's so incredible because we can do them, and there's this moment where your head and your heart are not aligned. You can convince your head of something and your heart's going, you do not need to do that. You do not, nope, nope, we don't need to buy another house. This one works, this one's fine. But there's this thing that happens, and the reason that's important is because belief, belief, belief cannot happen unless your head and your heart are aligned. Belief, belief does not happen unless your head and your heart are aligned. And here's why this is important for you today. Here's why this is important for me today. In 2023, you say, what's next? What now? The first thing is this. I would love for some of you have just never in your faith journey, you have never been able to get your head and your heart to align. It just hasn't happened. You've never settled the belief issue. You've never settled the issue of who Jesus is. You've never settled that. You've wanted to in your heart. It just hasn't happened. You've maybe even got it in your heart, but you can't get your head to wrap around it. And the very first thing that the church has to do that in order to become a church, in order to become a community of believers, you have to be united in head in heart. You have to align your head and your heart around who Jesus is. If you do not align your head and your heart around who Jesus is, you will continue to struggle with your belief system. 
The key to faith is aligning your head and your heart. Acts chapter 2 says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people. Paul later goes on to write in Romans chapter 10, he says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then he says these words, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. In Romans 10, 9 and 10 is literally saying that it is by aligning your head in your heart about who Jesus is that is the next step in a person's faith. That a person will never join a community of believers unless they align their head and their heart around it. So the second thing is this. The second thing that happens when you believe something is true is you have to change your priorities to reflect your beliefs. You guys know that, right? Like January 1st, all these people make all these commitments. All these new commitments about like, hey, this year I'm going to work out more than I ever had. And your head says that's good, and your heart goes, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right? Isn't that true? That if you're going to change your life, you have to align your head and your heart. And so the second thing that has to happen is that, that when, you, when you align your head and your heart about what you believe about Jesus, the second thing that has to happen is that you have to begin to prioritize your relationship with God in such a way that it aligns with your belief system. I'm saying this, I'm saying this really strongly because my hope would be for you in 2023 that 2023 would be a different year for the way that you practice your faith in Jesus. And by doing that, it would be this year where you make a commitment to prioritize your life in such a way that it reflects the life of Jesus. That there has to be a prioritization that happens this year. And so whatever didn't work for you in 2022, 2022 is gone. So in 2023, there has to be this moment where you have to reprioritize and say, Lord, I want to put you first. And anything that came before you in 2022, I want that to go away. And in 2023, I want to have a new practice. I'll tell you a new practice. Lene and I started, we started it this week. We have never been good at practicing Sabbath. I don't know about you, but Sabbath is really hard to practice in our society. Most people work two jobs or one job, or, or maybe you and your spouse, like my wife and I, I work at the church, and so my week goes from... Sunday to Thursday. She's a teacher for the school district or a principal for the school district. And so her schedule goes from Monday to Friday. And so trying to align our schedules in such a way that we have time to just slow down and practice our faith better has been really hard for us over the years. So this particular weekend, we have made it our goal in 2023 on the first Friday, Saturday of each month that we're going to take that particular uh, two days and we're going to practice Sabbath. So we did it for the very first time this week. And so from 5 o'clock on Friday to 5 o'clock on Saturday, we turned off all of our devices. We turned off our TV. We turned off all of, we, we, we got rid of our chores and our schedule. And we set that um, 24 hours aside and said, Lord, we want a new practice in our life. And we want to focus on you in a new way. And so this is our goal. This is the way we're going to prioritize 2023. I can tell you, it was amazing. It was amazing. And, and, the, and the piece is, is that, that, that there, uh, this space in which you listen to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks and says, hey, please don't do that anymore. Start doing this. Hey, don't do that anymore. Start doing this. And for each person, it might be completely different. But prioritizing your relationship with God. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, says, Peter's words pierced their heart, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do now? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent for your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what Peter said when they said, What should we do now? 
Peter's response was, adjust your life to reflect your value system in Jesus. What shall we do in 2023? We should be people who adjust our life to reflect the value system that we have in Jesus. And so maybe for you, maybe that's just going to be a really good conversation around lunch. You're going to go to lunch with your roommates from college. You're going to go to lunch with some friends after church. Maybe you're going to go to lunch with your spouse or your family. And you're going to ask the question, how do we in 2023 adjust our life to reflect our value system in Jesus? It says that those that believed what Peter said were added to the church about 3,000. And then it says this, it says in verse 42, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the sharing of bread. That means that all of the believers, they repented for their sins. All of the believers received Jesus. All of these 3,000 people gave their, got baptized. All of these 3,000 people began to serve one another because they all adjusted their life so that God was first and God was their priority. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. And so here's, here's what I think is interesting, is that when we think about Jesus and we think about how we want our life to reflect Jesus, what we want to do is we want to do the things Jesus did. Now, here's what I can assure you. I, I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't wake up in the morning and hit the alarm five times. Right? Because it says early in the morning, Jesus arose and he spent time with the Father. Right? And so there's this space and like, well, how did Jesus adjust his life? And so let me, let me, just, let me just say this. I, I think that this happens in relationships. I think this happens in relationships. So what do you do after you've given your life to Jesus? You make God your priority. You set time aside every day. You stop making excuses. Isn't it funny how often we make excuses when it comes to our spiritual lives? Come on, you don't have to be ashamed. I'm just saying, like, you're in a room full of people that are good at making excuses. We all do it. It's, it's just this habit that we get into, that we, we have this ability to make excuses and go, oh, I just don't know if I have time. I, I love what Craig Grishel, the pastor of a church in Tulsa, says. He says, successful people do constantly what others do occasionally. Successful people do constantly what other people do occasionally. Like, so this becomes the place. And so here's the final thing, the third thing that I want you to commit to. The third thing that this group of people did between when they, gave the, when they heard, heard the word of God being preached and after they gave their life to Jesus, they made a full-blown commitment to the community of believers that I think the third thing that happens is this, that in 2023, that if you will make it your goal to prioritize your relationship with Jesus, I think the most successful thing that you could do in 2023 to prioritize your relationship with Jesus is as you make that your priority, that you would prioritize getting yourself a circle of people that you would consider a community of believers. Because we all know that believing in Jesus and being committed to Jesus are not the same thing, right? They're not the same thing. That you can believe in Jesus and not be committed to a community of believers. You can believe in Jesus <coughs> and be a lone ranger Christian, right? My wife told me, you've got to stop using uh, phrases that are 40 years old. Some of you guys are like, who's the lone ranger? Who's the lone ranger? right? And there's a space that's like, like there's a space that goes on that goes, who, who is my community? Who's my community of believers? How do I stay connected to people who know Jesus? You know, here's what I know for Paul Watson. Paul Watson's faith is better when I surround myself with like-minded people who have the same faith. That's just true for me. My faith is stronger when I stay connected to people who have strong faith. And my faith struggles when I stop hanging around people with strong faith. And then so you see this moment in Acts chapter 2 
where the very first thing that happens after they hear God's word, after they've been baptized, after they've repented for their sins, the very next thing you see is they commit to one another. They commit to one another. Let me give you, men, let me give you something that you could commit to. We've got a really great group of guys who have started a Bible study. It happens on Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. in our community room. If you haven't been a part of a group of guys that gather together to study the Bible, I would suggest that this would be a great place for you to start. You don't have to do anything special. There's no preparation. You just show up, and there's this great group of guys that have begun together about, about four months ago, five months ago. They begin to gather together in the community room, and they just said, anybody's welcome. And they're just men. One hour, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Just gather there. We have a bunch of classes that are getting ready to start. We have marriage classes. We have theological classes. We have a, 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 a class on science, that's science and faith, that's going to be starting here in um, a couple weeks. And there's this space that happens that you begin to find places and spaces where you can gather around with other people who have faith that grows your faith. Surround yourself with a group, like-minded communities. Now, here's the, here's the interesting part. Just like you can be a follower of Jesus and not be surrounded by a community of believers, you can also be so many other things and not be experiencing the intimacy of other things. You can be married and not experiencing the intimacy of marriage, not experiencing the intimacy that comes with that friendship and that companionship and that relationship and the joy that comes in marriage, the, the help that comes in marriage. That being a part of something doesn't mean you naturally get the benefits of that thing unless you become um, committed to a community of believers. Acts 2.44 says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Would you say with me, all? And all the believers gathered together in one place. Say all. Okay, one more time. Where, how, many, how many gathered? All the believers. All the believers gathered together in community. Do you know what the Webster Dictionary term for all means? All. I did a whole bunch of deep diving on this particular word this week, so I looked it up in the Greek. You know what the Greek means? All. Yeah, it's super theological. It means that they all committed to each other. They all stacked hands and said, this is my church. This is my group of people. The passage is letting you know that they were committed to doing life together. I'm so proud of Scott and Vivian Tietzel. You guys don't know I'm going to do this. Would you guys stand up? Come on, I got you. Yeah, yeah, stand up. You can't say no because I have a microphone. Scott and Vivian are a couple of my favorite people. They love Jesus deeply. Uh, they, they take classes on Tuesday nights. They have a small group in their home. Um, and uh, this past year, uh, they looked at their small group, and they said, hey, we're going to Florida for vacation. Anybody in our small group want to go? And about half of their small group said, yeah, we'll go on vacation with you, because they are committed to doing life with people that they've committed to community in. And as a matter of fact, I think I heard a rumor that we might be starting a alpha group for CMU. Yeah, so, so you have that. Thank you. Could you guys give these guys a round of applause? I love that in Scott and Vivian, because what I love is this, is that they don't just say that they're committed to the community of believers. They've actually surrounded their life around it. They've made it an important part of their life, right? They, they, they've done it this way. And so that we help each other, we serve each other, we're committed to each other. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter um, uh, 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And then it goes on to say these words. It says, if one person falls down, the other can reach out to help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I can remember growing up, I, I grew up in a church that used the King James Version. And when it came to that last sentence, it said, but someone who falls down is in real trouble. It would say, it, said, it started the sentence with, oh, 
But when someone is by themselves and they fall down, they have no one to help them up. You see, in the community of believers, we're supposed to be committed to each other. All of us. Every one of us. We're supposed to help each other's lives be better. We're supposed to help each other stay strong spiritually. We're supposed to encourage each other. Luke says there's several keys and ingredients that, to create a culture that help people stay committed. I, I believe that one of those is this, is that I believe that a healthy church culture is a culture that's inclusive, not exclusive. I, I love this portion of Acts chapter 2, and I'll close it up with this in just a second. In Acts chapter 2, um, Peter quotes Joel the prophet from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. He, he quotes this, this saying that was known to all those that were Jewish. In the last days, God will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, <coughs> men and women alike, and they will prophesy. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, I think that Peter, when he makes this declaration about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in his life, and when he calls people to receive the Holy Spirit, he's literally had this moment where he's saying, in the kingdom of God, now you have to know this is a radical idea in the first century. This is a radical idea. This is not true of any nation. This is not true of any group of people. This is not true of any religious system. Peter stands up and says, don't you know that in the kingdom of God, we're inclusive, not exclusive? Now for a slave to hear that he has value is life-changing. For a woman to hear that she has value is life-changing. For somebody to hear that that they're, that they're not Jewish and they live in this Jewish culture and because they're not Jewish, they have no value. For somebody from another culture, from another place to hear that in the kingdom of God, they have value. For someone to hear that like just because like your station and your position that you were born into, that that doesn't keep you without value. That really what Peter was saying was this moment, he was saying, do you know why this community is going to be so great? Because everybody in the kingdom of God has value. Everybody has value. Men have value. Women have value. It does race, creed, color, that you're valuable in the community, in the community of God. Now catch this. I'm going to close on this. I asked the question at the very beginning, what's the greatest community you've ever been a part of? Some of you went back to your high school football team. Maybe you went back to your college sports team. Maybe you went back to your time in the military. Maybe it's your bowling league. Because we're all a bunch of big bowlers in here. The greatest community on the planet is supposed to be the church. It's supposed to be unbelievably dynamic. It's supposed to be unbelievably selfless. It's supposed to be the place where everybody walks through and they, uh, they have value because there's a place in space for everyone. It's supposed to be this place where we love one another and we care for one another and we care about each other in such a way that when we have needs, there's two or three or five or 10 people showing up on the door and saying, you guys doing okay? Hey, we want you to know that we love you. We love you. The greatest community on the planet is supposed to be the local church. My hope, my hope for us in 2023 is that we reprioritize our life in such a way that it honors God and that we surround ourselves with a community of believers. If you are not doing that, if you have not done that, that is what you should do next. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That is what you should do now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
we come before you. And we just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your community. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the church. Thank you that you've given us the church. Thank you, Lord. We get ready to worship together. We're just going to take a couple of minutes of contemplation. So you could just posture yourself however you're comfortable. If you want to close your eyes, you can. You can keep them open if you prefer. We're just going to really ponder the word of God. We just thank you for the message, Paul. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. Doesn't the word of God... Pierce our hearts. So, as we get ready to worship, I just want you to think about um, as you heard the message today, what did God's word speak to you? What really stood out to you? What stirred in your spirit? Just take a moment to reflect on that, on how God is speaking to you. We believe in a God who speaks. He speaks to each and every one of us. What is he speaking to you today? And as you think about that thing that God spoke to you, the thing that keeps ringing in your mind, that causes butterflies in your tummy, what is God asking you to do? What is he placed on your heart? What is he calling you to? God calls us into relationship with him. Our faith is active. It's not boring. It's not passive. What is God calling you to do? What action is he asking of you? Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. And maybe that is stirring in you the desire to know Jesus to walk in faith maybe you have given your life to Jesus and God's really speaking to you about taking a next step with your faith maybe becoming a more permanent member of a community of Christ maybe prioritizing your relationship with him maybe sharing your faith with someone I want you to just take a second and think about what God is asking you to do as a result of this message and his word today. And then the third question I want you to really think about is, who might you share that with? You know, Paul talked um, before the message that we really believe in our, in our faith being active. So just as during worship, you can come up and you can take communion and you can light a candle and you can get prayer from our ministry team or give your tithes and offerings. You can stand and worship the Lord. We encourage you to do all those things. We also encourage you to take your faith a step further like the believers did. Share with someone what God is speaking to you. Remember that your story is the most important story that the people in your life can hear. And I think everyone in this room agrees that when we hear how God is moving in the lives of our friends and families, it really does something to us. It stirs our faith and our hope in our heart. And God is calling us to share what he's doing in our life with others. So as we worship, I'd like you to think about those things and think about who you can share with. Let's go ahead and worship the Lord.
encourage you as your pastor. I know this hasn't been true for everybody in the room. I can tell you that I am grateful that it is true for me. My mom and dad raised me in church. I have a lifetime of great memories of getting to do church with great people. I can remember doing church camp with my buddies when we were in third, fourth, and fifth grade. 
I can remember doing church camp in middle school and high school, youth group. Some of the best memories of my life. If you have kids, if you have kids, get them in church. Let them have friends and family that love Jesus. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.